Hello, and welcome to another M&A Healthcare Advisors Insights video. Uh, I am Andre Ulloa. I am a partner and executive advisor at M&A Healthcare Advisors. Uh, we are a consulting and advisory firm focused on sellers and sell-side engagements in lower middle market healthcare. We are representatives of clients uh, who have healthcare businesses and looking to sell uh, or looking to recapitalize their business in some way. Our focus is to provide the highest level and most sophisticated service to clients. And we do that through providing information and guidance uh, that is in the market and the standard for operating an M&A process. In that regard, uh, today we have a guest who is a CPA and um, also a longtime friend of the firm uh, who has worked with healthcare clients of ours in the past to get them through a successful sale in their business. And without further ado, I'd like to introduce Doug Walters, a partner at Walters and Associates, a Florida-based CPA firm. Sure. Thank you, Andre. I'm very excited to be here. Uh, we're a uh, healthcare-focused CPA firm. You know, I've been in the healthcare arena for uh, close to 30 years. I'm almost afraid to admit it. Uh, shows my age, but uh, been around <laughs> for a long time. You know, we've got uh, about 35 personnel uh, that are that are working in the healthcare space, and uh, we have a national client base. So I think what's what's a little bit unique about us, and you know, we're a typical CPA firm where we do audit, accounting, tax. Uh, but I used to own and operate home health companies. And so I've been on both sides of the M&A table uh, in the healthcare space, selling uh, and buying my own entities and as well as starting them from scratch. So that's given me a, a unique uh, skill set, I think, that that helps our clients today. Yeah, that, that's great, Doug. And, and, you know, one of the things that is so valuable is how we put these uh, financials uh, together and what we present uh, to the public and in many respects, uh, the the CPA and, and also the CPA that thinks like a CFO and understands transactions, uh, that's such a, an integral part of the process and making sure that we go out to market uh, prepared, right? And, and putting the company um, in, in not necessarily the light that is the best light, but in the light that is the actual uh, performance and, you know, where the business is. So, uh, so no, it's, it's great to have you here today because we have worked together on a number of transactions and, uh, I, I you know, I wanted to, to start us off with some questions, uh, around, uh, you know, where our roles are in all this. So, uh, so with that, uh, Doug, can you provide insights on why we need a CPA, uh, and an advisor, uh, in a transaction that, um, in particularly in a transaction in the lower middle market uh, in healthcare? Sure. Yeah. I think if you don't have those, those, or that arsenal, you know, you don't have those uh, people on your side, I think, I think you're leaving, leaving things on the table. You know, the other side is going to have a CPA, the other side is going to have uh, some advisory assistance. And so if you don't have someone in your court, I think uh, I think you're missing the boat. You know, we have typically, you know, we've seen clients where they've they've, they've got decent financial statements. You know, they, they think they have. Um, 
Uh, I'll give you an example. I had I had one not too long ago where, you know, they had a loan uh, payment where they were just paying the loan account on the QuickBooks file, and the uh, loan account had a negative balance because they never set the original loan up, and, and to begin with, <laughs> and and all the payments went to the loan account. Well, some of that is interest that should have went to the the PNL, and what happens there is is it's an easy fix, uh, but a CPA would have caught that right, and and once once that goes to the other side. Uh, now you're in a situation where you may lose trust. You know, the, the financial statements are garbage. Uh, all of a sudden, the other party's mind, we can't rely on them. And so I think if you have a, a CPA from the beginning uh, to look through things, to make sure things are accurate, to, to correct, uh, we all make mistakes, right? But but to correct those mistakes before the other side gets them, I think puts you in a much better light uh, and a much better uh, outcome. It's so true. I mean, so much of what we talk about is trust. Uh, you probably hear it in every video and it's not just trust with the client and and us as representatives you know in that they can disclose and we hope that they disclose everything about the business but it's also that when we go out to market first impressions matter and you know the buyer doesn't want to see a perfect business honestly they just want to see an accurate account of the business and it all starts and flows through the financials. So I mean, what what do you do um, in that regard if, if a client comes to you and says, look, I've been doing I've been running QuickBooks uh, and, you know, I've, I've got we hear this all the time. I'm I'm I, I the accounting is great. My financials are great. Um, all the pieces are there. I know that I'm generating this cash flow. Uh, how do you handle a client like that where they come to you and say, you know, look, I just want to be prepared for what this transaction has in store. And can you please review these financials? I mean, does, does that scenario happen to you? And, and what do you do in that regard in terms of a response? Sure. I, you know, and I'll give the client some assurance and say, look, you know, you, your, your financials may be in very good shape. Uh, they may not need any help at all uh, from, from my perspective, but um, you want to be prepared on what questions are going to be asked. So let me take a look at them. Uh, let me ask you the questions so you're prepared. Uh, and if nothing else, uh, if we do see some issues, we can correct them. Yeah. And, and do you find that in this market now that uh, financials are still the, the keystone of, you know, getting the deal done? Um, because we see a lot now in healthcare where there's other metrics, right? Other buyers come in. And how do you... Uh, focus in on those uh, potential metrics. So if, if there's a, a buyer that comes in and says, look, I'm, I'm interested in understanding, you know, the utilization uh, within the company, uh, do you incorporate those operational uh, fundamentals into your analysis when you go back to the client? And, and can you do that? Yeah, we, we've been in a lot of uh, due diligence deals where we'll, we'll be on, on the side where, you know, a, a buyer's looking at a company, kicking the tires and saying, okay, let's, can you go in there and, and, and really let us know if this is a good deal or not? And so we'll look at referral sources. You know, certainly, you know, if you have all of your uh, referrals coming from one source, that's more risky than if, if you have them coming from multiple sources. Um, so, so we'll look at all of that uh, if we're mm -hmm. doing a due diligence uh, type engagement. So, so we'll look at um, basically ripping the hood off, right? Uh, that's, that's what, that's what you want to do and find out where, where the skeletons are, if they exist. Um, but primarily your, your financial statements are going to be the number one, um, 
resource to 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 determine what the price is ultimately going to be. You know, it's going to be some multiple of those financial statements, and you've got to get it right. Yeah, we 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 come across quite a few transactions now where uh, you know networking capital becomes a big part of the negotiation, and sellers feel very strongly that that's their money. And, you know, you and I have our perspectives on it, right? I mean, if, if a buyer can come in and pay more, pay a premium uh, to, uh, to buy the business, and part of that premium includes the working capital. So, so in, essentially, if their valuation is taking into account networking capital, then we, we, we can also frame that to the seller. But what kind of situations do you get into with networking capital? And, and how do you end up working that through with uh, your clients? Yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of going through that right now with a, with a large client that, that closed uh, two years ago. Uh, they're still working through the working capital calculation, believe it or not. This is uh, not typical. Usually it's uh, 60 to 90 days post-close. Uh, you'll, you'll get a second working capital calculation. But it gets complicated, right? So so we're, we're having to look through all of the accounts payable to look at you know what checks were paid, what what was related to post close versus pre close? Uh, we're looking at the cash accounts. You know what was the beginning balance? What was the accounts receivable? There's a lot that goes into that, and so uh, we're seeing all kinds of issues there. It gets it gets complicated, and, and most people that I've seen they get the transaction done, and the working capital is kind of an afterthought. Yeah, we're, we're going to leave enough in there, and we'll we'll settle later. Uh, but that always becomes a uh, a bone of contention. It's a lot of work, and it's it's basically a discount on the deal, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I'll tell you with the straddle uh, periods, and you know, with the back and forths, and then the true ups at the end, uh, it, there's it, there's a piece there that we really require uh, someone coming in from the outside and giving us all the the pieces of the process by which we're going to make sure that we get this working capital situation figured out. Right. Because uh, what the, the structure that you're talking about that tends to happen is that there'll be a either very rarely is there necessarily a surplus. But in some cases, there's a deficit to what you agreed on in terms of working capital. But that calculation doesn't happen until a couple months down the road. And so, you know, we have yet to be in a situation because we go into this so prepared but and you would obviously be in the same position where you would prepare your clients for this. But we've got we haven't been in a situation where there's been any any activity at the true up. Right. The the, the working capital is calculated. We spend a lot of time on it. And when we got to that two month period, usually it was, hey, we're all good here. Um, or, or maybe there were some marginal changes, but nothing material. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, that's been your has that been your experience as as you've gone through this? And yeah. do you think it, yeah, do you think it's good now that we have this structure where back in the day it, it tended to be a lot of oh people waking up you know a few days after the deal was closed going hey where's our you know where's the money in the cash account right right <laughs> right yeah or, or the receivables <laughs> yeah and I think that that goes back to your initial question is why do you need a CPA exam involved uh, from the beginning and that that's a prime example of you know getting it right because no one likes surprises especially post close. You know, you bought the new farm, everybody's happy, and all of a sudden now you've got a huge payback, right? So uh, we don't want to be in that situation. We don't like surprises, and I know our clients don't either. Yeah. Uh, yeah usually I don't I don't like buying the farm 
on a on my deals. Uh, right. But yeah, <laughs> it happens. Uh, many deals yeah. die, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Um, which which actually you know it, it's interesting because we we also like to set up our clients to understand what life is after the close, and that's another area where it's helpful to have a third party come in with your expertise and say, you know, this is what uh, the tax implications will yeah. look like. And, and then also to understand, okay, wh where does a, a sort of post-transactional income situation look like, right? And not that you're going to do that from a wealth management perspective, but you definitely can get the, the, the calculations down in terms of the federal implications, the state income implications, if there are any, uh, other, you know, transactional uh, closing costs and all that. And putting all that in order is also, I think, an important thing, uh, you know, and, and an important service that you provide. Absolutely. There's going to be a lot of provisions in any uh, asset purchase agreement or stock purchase agreement uh, that have, have tax implications. And, and they have to be reviewed by a CPA that understands what those provisions are. You know, so just as simple as, you know, what's the difference between a stock deal and an asset deal, you know? Uh, a lot of a lot of buyers and sellers may not understand that. Uh, and so we go through that detail and kind of explain that to them and, and what the implications are, because there are some significant implications there. Yeah, and, and de definitely, you know, we're in California, you're in Florida, you're much smarter than I am for uh, for doing that. <laughs> I wouldn't do that far. <laughs> I, I actually love paying taxes. It's uh, yeah, it's I, I hear that over there. Past time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, there there obviously are. Uh, some mechanisms, uh, for instance, that are state specific in California, um, and you're very current on those as well. Uh, yeah. I, I know that recently we had a transaction where there's a pa pass-through entity election tax. Uh, it is uh, similar to the SALT tax that we had back in the day, and essentially it allows for a, uh, a cap on the income tax in California, and then it allows for that to be deducted from, you know, the, the cap gains side of it. Uh, so, I, you know, I don't want to get ahead of my skis, but point is you are very uh, involved and you are knowledgeable about what's happening in other states outside of Florida as it relates to these uh, tax implications. We are, you know, with with a national client base, you know, that, that requires us to be current in, in every state that we operate in and we do operate in every state. So uh, we've got some some very expensive software that helps us with that, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm sure it pays itself off. It does. Uh, it does. You know, uh, it, and then uh, in that regard, too, just when you go uh, working with uh, with these clients, your your main focus, I mean, I know that your experience is heavy in healthcare. But it, would you say that your main focus is in healthcare clients? Um, or, yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, we, we, we've, I cut my teeth in healthcare, right? So the, the firm was founded on, on healthcare. And so, you know, we, we service clients from, you know, the, what we affectionately call mom and pops uh, across the country to uh, large publicly traded entities. Uh, so, so we've got the full gamut there. And we've been doing that for over 25 years. Uh, we do have other entities as well, you know. So, so as a as a uh, full service firm uh, on the audit side, you know, we're auditing banks, for example, uh, and we get into the the, the non non healthcare clients as well. But 
but uh, primarily my my personal focus has been healthcare. Okay, uh, you know, and and just one more aspect of sort of the transaction and, and our piece in it. Uh, we have now every transaction involving a quality of earnings uh, study, right? And uh, for the listeners out there, uh, you know, th- this is essentially an al- analysis that's done by the uh, buyer uh, investor, and it, it's a heavy scrutiny of the financials and and of, of other operational metrics, right? And and one of the areas that it gets digs into might be the adjustments that we apply to EBITDA. And so when you're dealing with clients and they're going through a transaction, uh, is that something that you work with constantly is responding to the quality of earnings uh, people on the other side of the table? We sure do. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you, and what would you say, you know, for us, our perspective on quality of earnings is there's sort of two responses. One is there's either the, uh, we, we have uh, a reduction here in what we expected uh, based on, you know, the fact that they don't accept the adjustments or the adjustments will change under the new ownership or that there's some particular line item uh, that, um, you know, may have not been accounted for properly. A lot of times it happens with uh, receivables and, you know, going from cash to accruals. Um, so uh, in all of that, in, in your experience, you know, there's there's sort of that mode of like, hey, this number isn't quite what we wanted it to be. Uh, the other response is silence, right? Like, <laughs> like we don't hear anything from them, probably because we actually performed better. Uh, it hasn't happened very often. But we performed better than um, you know than they expected in their analysis, and sure. so they don't want to come back and tell us, "Hey, actually, your company's worth more." Uh, <laughs> That's right. We're paying for it. But would you say that you know, in your experience, uh, that it, you know that it's essential to have somebody with a deep knowledge of of the financials, a CPA type person involved in that whole dynamic? Absolutely. Yeah, you want to give the right answers, right? You want to understand, you know, what those adjustments mean, why they were made. Uh, and why the question is being asked, right? So, so there's there's really digging into the detail uh, to to get a um, an answer that's accurate um, and makes sense, right? And so uh, we do that all day long. Yeah.